0: Good morning, everybody. It's a brief introduction. thank Father for saying a few words, introducing me. My name is Father Bryce Sibley, and I am a priest of the Diocese of Lafayette, but for the past year and a half or so, I've been at Notre Dame Seminary doing spiritual direction and teaching moral theology, and it was really an honor for me to have been asked by Father Joe to come and preach your Lenten mission. The mission starts Monday, happens on Tuesday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. And what I'm gonna be talking about is hopefully a a message of hope. For the past 11 years before I got to the seminary, I spent time being the pastor and campus minister over at UL and Lafayette, working with college students the future of the church. And over in that time, I learned a lot of lessons about what ministry was, about the youth of our culture, and also about what it means to be a priest and a father. And I came away with a great sense of hope. That as much as we hear bad things about young people and we're doomed with coming generations, I have a radically different opinion. And so hopefully over the course of those three days, I'll be able to share that opinion. But more specifically, trying to help parishioners better understand how they can minister to, love, and form their own children and grandchildren to be able to plant the seeds so that they, their faith can grow in the coming years. But what I want to do today without giving away a lot of what I hope to talk about is focus on today's gospel, which actually I could probably make a whole retreat based off of this long but very beautiful gospel. And there's so much we can talk about, but there's one thing that as I was preparing for today's homily and thinking about the mission sort of jumped out at me. But at the heart of the whole message of the gospel in Christ's encounter with the Samaritan woman is that Jesus wants her to ask for living water. He wants her to say, please give me this water. And while there's sort of a, a theological and spiritual significance of this question, It brings up a much broader reality that I think we all need to hear is that Jesus who of course is our Savior comes to save us but also comes to be the image of God the Father now the Father's love for us the Father's desire to enter into a relationship with us so whenever we hear Jesus speaking to the woman We see him really revealing the Father's heart. And that fundamental question, that fundamental reality, can also be connected to God, our Heavenly Father. That God wants us as his children to ask for things. To ask boldly for things, because at the heart of it, he wants to say yes. It's a radical proposition because most of us, whether we realize it or not, maybe we do ask for things, but we kind of figure out or we kind of believe that God really doesn't want to say yes. He's like a miser. But the reality of today's gospel and the reality of what I learned over the course of my time at the ministry is that yes indeed, the Lord wants us to ask for things and he is a father who desires to say yes yes to yes to what we desire what we want but the problem is is that so often there are things that stop us from asking or stop us from believing that he wants to say yes and it's my experience here that I'm really drawing from that not only shows me and I believe indeed the Lord wants to say yes Because as a priest, particularly working with college students, is where I learned the love of the Father, but also the great desire that I had to say yes to them. Father, can we order pizza? Yes, here's the credit card. So I gotta know what it's like. Father, I can't go to mass later this afternoon. Can we have mass early in the morning? Do I wanna wake up at six? No, I don't, but I say yes. In the same way, parents do too. A good parent desires to say yes to their children. But what makes us hesitant to ask the Lord, to believe that he wants to say yes to our requests? And I think if we look at today's gospel, we're at least going to see a few of them. The first one is probably the main one, and one that we're going to talk about particularly on the first night of the mission it's a little detail this woman goes to get water A samaritan woman they were they were separate from the jews the jews sort of looked down on them but she's going at noon you know anything about the custom of drawing water in earlier civilizations, you didn't go at noon, particularly in modern-day Palestine, because it was hotter than the sun. You're not going to go and get all the water and carry it back. You did it in the morning. It was cooler so that you could get your water that you needed for cleaning and cooking for the rest of the day. So why was she going at noon? She was going at noon because she knew, knew no one would be there. No one to see who she was. No one to gossip about her. She was a woman filled with shame. Not sorrow for what she's done, but sorrow for who she was. Because of the lifestyle that she was living. Because of her wounds and trauma or whatever it is. She was a woman filled with shame. And that's the first thing that makes us unwilling to ask the Lord for things. Because we think we're unworthy. A person who's in shame, or like Adam and Eve, they hide from God. If we're hiding, we can't ask. If we're hiding, we can't have confidence. And believe me, lots of people live in shame, particularly a lot of young people, for things that they've done, or unfortunately, for things that were done to them. But the truth is, it's noon. You can't hide. You're in the middle of the desert. Jesus sees her. And in the same way, even though we may hide from him because we don't want to be seen because of what we've done or who we are, believe me, the Lord, the Father sees us and he's not there waiting to catch us doing something wrong, waiting to shame us in front of other people. It's not who he is. The loving Father wants to receive us, to heal us, to let us know that even though that we're weak, even though that we're sin, he still loves us unconditionally. And wants to bring us to healing and mercy. The second thing that stops us from really asking the Lord for things are the lies that we begin telling ourselves, particularly when we're living in shame. If we're hiding, what are we doing? We're getting trapped in our heads. We're ruminating, overthinking things. Well, I'm going to be a burden to him. He's a Jew. He doesn't want to be bothered by me. I'm a Samaritan. He's got better things to do. Those Jews don't eat with Samaritans. And she begins to believe all of these lies. But obviously Jesus is not burdened by her. He's right there. He's talking to her. He's asking her to give him a drink. But she's coming up with all these reasons why she's not worthy. Why she shouldn't be engaging with him. And we do the same thing we believe all these lies why well, we're not worthy to receive god's love why he wouldn't want to say yes to us why we won't want to be a burden to him other people have bigger problems but no jesus continues to talk to her but then it doesn't stop not only the lies that she believes that we tend to believe about ourselves and god's desire to be with us We begin to see that she begins making excuses. "Ah, He doesn't have a bucket. He can't really get the water there. We do the same thing. The excuses of why the Lord is not going to answer our prayers. Why we're not worthy of it. All these excuses that we come up with, instead of just saying, Lord, please answer my prayers. Because of the fear potentially of rejection, the fear of him saying no, we tend to make up these excuses and sort of like even get into a dialogue with ourselves or with God that really gets nowhere. We've got to check ourselves. Are we making excuses? The reasons that we, for the reason we don't step out in confidence and belief the Lord will say yes. But here's the reality. No matter how much shame we may have, no matter what lies we tell ourselves, no matter what excuses we make for not Asking the Lord for what we want. Jesus sees through it all. He knows who we are. He knows our strengths and he knows our weaknesses. And he does it by calling her husband. Say, bring your husband over here. He knows she's shacking up. He knows that she's had other husbands. But it doesn't stop him from wanting to be with her. From wanting to have a drink of water for her. He still loves her unconditionally. And it's not even after she continues to fight and argue and make up all these excuses, he doesn't say, woman, you're driving me nuts. I'm out of here. He shows not only unconditional love for her because he knows her sins, but shows unconditional hope. I'm not giving up on you as much as you want to fight. I would see that a lot. College students making up all kinds of excuses, living in shame, believing the lies. But my goal was as the pastor and spiritual father i'm not giving up on you you can run all you want i'll be here you'll come back i know what you've done i've heard your confessions i don't need any confessions you're a college student I already know what you've done trust me i'm not dumb. just like parents know what their kids are doing they're not stupid they think we're stupid but we're not but i'm not giving up and it's this fact that he doesn't give up on her, that he has that unconditional hope and unconditional love and still wants to drink and still wants a visit that begins to change her heart. It makes her realize, whoa, wait a second, I am loved. He is the Messiah. I don't need to live in shame. I can come and ask for what I want. And I believe that he desires to say yes. But how does Jesus do it? And this is sort of how we'll sort of wrap it up. And a lot of it came from my own experience. If we want our young people to believe, or anyone to believe, the Lord wants to say yes, we of course have to show them that unconditional love and show them that unconditional hope. But how do you do it? And I think we see it in the gospel. First of all, Jesus stops in order to rest, he's not in a rush. He wants to spend time with her. He wants to be with her. We've got to spend time with those we love. That willingness to be present to speaks more than any kind of word, but not just spend time with, to actually enter into dialogue with, to ask questions, to understand who they are, where they're coming from, to show interest in them. We humans fulfill ourselves through dialogue, Our young people want us to get to know them, but we often don't ask questions. To spend time, to talk, to ask questions. That Jesus wanted this woman as his dialogue partner, as his friend, and most importantly, as his daughter. So, a few things for us to consider in our own lives. We're going to expound upon this over the course of our time together in the mission. I think it shows if we can look at the way Jesus lived it out and begin to put it into practice in our own lives, not only in our hearts, we have a deeper understanding of the great gift it means to be fathers and mothers, whether physical or spiritual, but also to be able to plant those seeds of transformation so that our young people, the future generations, come to really grow in and know their identity as beloved sons and daughters. Amen.